Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. still celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. We're still celebrating Easter. Easter is amazing. Easter, you guys know how I feel about Easter. It's the best time of the year. It's the best day of the year. It is the best season of the year. It is the absolute best. We talked about last week how the resurrection changes us, changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see other people and how it changes the way we see God himself. This week, we're going to look at a partial resurrection. We'll finish it up with the full resurrection in two weeks, but we're going to look at John chapter 11, uh, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, Uh, but we're going to, more than that, we're going to look at Jesus's words before he actually raised Lazarus from the dead. We'll do that in two weeks, so uh, we will get there in a couple of minutes. What you see here is what we'll read in, in a few minutes in John chapter 11, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. You guys know that scripture? Thank you. Thank you. Um, that is one of seven times in the book of John where Jesus says the words, I am followed by something. He says things like, I am the bread of life. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the doorway. I am the gate. We talked about that. Remember how the good shepherd lays down his life, how he lays down in the doorway so that the uh, enemy cannot get in and destroy you. Jesus says things like, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I'm the true vine connect your life to me. And then he says here in chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. What is the point of John writing these these things down? What is the point of John writing these seven things down? And what is the point of Jesus saying I am seven different times? Here's the point before we talk about Jesus being the resurrection and the life. When Jesus says seven times the words I am, he is pointing back to the book of Exodus. You know the book of Exodus? Wonderful. It's one of my favorite Old Testament books. It is great. I love the whole Exodus story. I love it so much. There is a section in there early on in chapter 3 where Moses is having a conversation with God at the burning bush. You know that story? Of course you do. Everybody knows that story. Moses is out in the wilderness. He sees the burning bush on fire. He walks over to it to check it out. And then he hears the voice of God and God says, come here, Moses, take off your sandals for where you're standing is on holy ground. Moses takes off his sandals, walks over to the burning bush and starts having a full on conversation with God himself. And God tells him, says, I've seen my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries and now I'm going to deliver my people out of Egypt. Of course, he's talking about the Israelites who are enslaved in Egypt. And Moses is like, yeah, go get our people. I'm with you. Just do it. And then God kind of drops a bombshell on Moses when he says, I'm sending you. You're going to Pharaoh. You're going to get the people out. 
You're going to lead millions of people out of captivity, out of Pharaoh, from Pharaoh, out of Egypt. I'm sending you. And of course, Moses is like, wait a minute. Like, hold up. I'm, you don't want to send me. I'm a shepherd. I hang out with sheep all day. I've been wandering around the wilderness for 40. Like, you don't want to send me. And then, of course, God says the best five collection of words in all of Scripture when he says, I will go with you. And Moses is like, well, what about my brother Aaron? He's a better talker than I am. He'll, he'll do a better job. God says, nope, you. And then finally Moses starts to give in a little bit. He says, let's just suppose I do go along with this plan. Let's just say I follow your word here and I actually go back to Egypt and I actually stand in front of Pharaoh and I actually tell him to let the people go. Who am I supposed to tell him sent me? And do you remember what God said? What did he say? I am. I am. Tell him, I am sent you. I am that I am sent you. Did you know that the seven times in the book of John where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. He uses the exact same words in Hebrew that God did in Exodus chapter 3. The Hebrew word is ego emi. Ego emi. E-G-O-E-M-I. Ego emi. Ego emi simply means this. I am everything. I create. I sustain. I hold together. I'm here. I'm there, I'm over there, I am is me. So when we read the words I am in the book of in the Gospel of John where Jesus says I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus is telling you and telling me today that he is the chosen one. He is the the son of God. He is the coming king. He is the Messiah. He is the one that left heaven and come to earth for our salvation. Jesus is saying I am him. I was then, I am now, I will be tomorrow. I am with you I can bless you I can take care of you I am me and the father are one we're together that's me I'm him I am the resurrection and the life that's why we read in the gospel of John and it's so important that we understand when Jesus says I am he is pointing back to God the father he is pointing back to Exodus chapter 3 and he's pointing to who he is and what he can do for you today cool stuff huh I hope you know today let me rephrase it's important that you know today who God is and what God can do for you Without answering those two questions, without having a biblical answer to those two questions, your faith will be in trouble. If you don't understand the identity of God and who God is, and you don't understand what God offers you, what God saves you from, what God helps you to attain, then you have no true understanding at all of the God of heaven. So that's what we're doing today, sharing about Jesus saying, I am the resurrection. It helps us understand who God is. And what he can do for us. Everybody follow? Alright, John chapter 11. Let's read, starting in verse 1, says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Stop. Madeline, how about the name Lazarus? No good? Okay. Michael's better than Lazarus? Yeah. 
Keep reading. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. Interesting, right? Jesus loves Lazarus, so he stays two days. Keep reading. Verse 8. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. Uh, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought they, that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him now. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So, you guys get the picture, right? Jesus has a friend named Lazarus that he loves. He is sick. Jesus heard that he was sick, so he hung out where he was at for two days. Then he decides, let's go to Bethany. Let's go see Lazarus. They make it to Bethany. When they get to Bethany, where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are at, they realize Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. What's the point? What are, you, what are we trying to learn here? Here's a couple things, uh, two things I want to share with you this morning about this part of the re this resurrection story. Number one, number one, it's all about timing. Jesus is all about timing. There's two, two issues that play here in these 17 verses. Number one is that Jesus' timing is always perfect. Jesus' timing is always perfect. It may not look like it's perfect, Right? Jesus gets word here. Your buddy's sick. So what does he do? He hangs out. <laughs> he hangs out for two days. He's like, well, we'll get there. And then when he gets there two days later, he finds out that Lazarus has been in the grave for two more days. And now he's been in the grave for four days total. So how in the world is Jesus' timing always perfect? Let me give you some examples. You'll see time and time again in Scripture, in the Gospels, where Jesus kind of moves when he wants to move, right? He does what he wants to do. He does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He don't does what he wants to does. He do, he do do what he want to do. Now, if my kid was in here, he'd be going crazy right now because an eight-year-old loves doo-doo jokes. I said the word D-U-T-Y the other day, and he went crazy. 
because it sounds like doo-doo. That's my kid. What can I say? I love him a lot. He's the best. You see time and time again in Scripture, in the Gospels, that Jesus works on his own time. In John chapter 2, we read that Jesus turned water into wine, right? Right before that, his mother Mary come to him and said, listen, these people are out of wine. They need your help. And he says, why are you concerning me with this? It is not yet my time. But when it was his time, he turned the water into wine. Jesus kind of works on his own schedule. We see in John chapter 7 how Jesus tells his disciples that he's not going to Jerusalem. He tells, sends them to Jerusalem. Later on that night, Jesus may have changed his mind. He may have had a plan all along, which is more than likely. And he ended up going to Jerusalem. Why? Because Jesus does what Jesus does at the right time every time. We see it time and time again in Scripture. Look at the story of when Jesus walks on water. Jesus sent the disciples out in the boat ahead of him. He stayed back until later that night. Then he decided, I'm going to the other side of the lake as well. Jesus does what Jesus does at just the right time every time. And here we see in John chapter 11, Jesus gets word that his friend is sick. And he ultimately dies. And Jesus waits. He waits. What's the point about Jesus' timing? The point about Jesus' timing is this. Jesus works on his time, not mine. Right? How many of you have had a season in your life where you've had to wait with the Lord? How many of you have had a time in your life where you've had to wait on the Lord? We all like to see Jesus move. Amen? We all like to see him work in our own life. We all like to see him work in people's lives around us. What we don't like is when he waits two days to do it. What we don't like is when he don't work on our time. We say things like this, Lord, I need a blessing today. Lord, I need healing today. Lord, I need direction and hope and a purpose and peace. I need it today. Could it be possible? That the Lord waits because his timing does not match up with our timing. And could that be possible because all we see is what is right here in front of us when he sees the end from the beginning? Could it be our timing is so focused on here and now, the Lord's timing is so focused on all of eternity because he knows what's going on tomorrow and all we can see is what is here today day could it be possible that the lord's timing is better than mine i don't hear too many yeses <laughs> i don't hear too many yeses can i tell you something else about the lord's timing his timing always has a purpose you're waiting for a reason where you're at today, you're there for a reason. If you find yourself in a battle, in a struggle, in a fight, in the valley, you're there for a reason. If you find yourself in victory and on a mountaintop and everything's rainbows and sunshines, you're there for a reason. The Lord's timing is always for a purpose and a reason. We see here in this story in John chapter 11, Jesus says, Jesus gets word about Lazarus. He waits two days. Then finally he says, let's go to Judea. 
And his buddies, the disciples, they didn't understand. They were like, he's asleep. Let him sleep. He'll be fine. And Jesus is like, no, you don't understand. He's dead. And then he says these words. He says, for your sake, talking to the disciples, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Jesus took this death. Jesus took this pain. Jesus took this struggle. Jesus took this valley of the death of a loved one and somehow, as only God can, use it to show the disciples his glory. Jesus even says this death will not end in complete death. It is here to glorify the Son of Man. Is it possible today that God could use your pain, God can use your struggle, God can use your hurt, God can use your fight for a purpose and a reason that is bigger than anything that we could even realize today? That, my friends, can change the way you go through pain. That will change the way you go through a fight when you realize that God's waiting for your good. When you realize that God's being patient to show you something, to teach you something, so that you will learn more about him, so that you will grow closer to him. Jesus waited to go to see uh, Lazarus and Bethany so that the disciples will see his power and see the Son of Man glorified. What if today God is waiting? God is waiting to move in your life to teach you something about him. What if you think your healing that you need today, what if God wants to teach you a lesson in surrender to him? What if that financial need that you need met today, what if that's not so much about a financial need, but it's God teaching you to trust in him and trust in his words? God can use your pain. God can use your, your wants. God can use your struggles and use it for his glory and to show you a greater glory in him that you've never seen before. Why? Because his timing is always perfect. His timing always has a purpose. He moves with a purpose. He blesses with a purpose. He gives with a purpose. He's here for a purpose and he's never wasted a moment in Jesus's life or words because everything he did was with a purpose the second thing at play in this story is this little little section here where jesus says uh when the disciples said you know if you go back to jerusalem they tried to kill you there remember they wanted to stone you Are you sure you want to go back there and then jesus says something kind of strange he says well listen here's the deal there's there's 12 hours in the day those that walk in the daytime won't stumble but those that walk at night will stumble. What in the world does that mean? Does that make any sense? You ever get part of a conversation, walk in on a conversation, and you try to talk and try to keep up with the conversation, but you really have no idea what's going on? That's where the disciples were at here. They were way over their heads. <laughs> they had no idea. They thought Lazarus was just sleeping. They knew their Jesus could die. And now here Jesus is talking about walking in the daytime and not stumping your toe at nighttime. What in the world is Jesus talking about? This is what I think Jesus is talking about. They told him, said, Jesus, if you go back to Judea, they're going to kill you. They already tried to stone you once. They're going to do it. So they're talking about Jesus' death. They're talking about Jesus being stoned, being killed in Jerusalem. And Jesus says this, aren't there 12 hours of daylight? 
what Jesus means, what Jesus is really saying is this. My life will come to an end when my life is supposed to come to an end. Why? Because Jesus' timing is always perfect. When my 12 hours of daylight is up, my 12 hours of daylight is up. No matter what they try to do to me, no matter how many rocks get thrown at me, no matter how many words or how many people try to get me, when 12 hours, when my daylight, when my time is up, my time is up. Why? Because my timing is always perfect. What does that mean for you and I today? One day, you and I, our timing is up. Our 12 hours, uh, the daylight of our life will come to an end. Amen? Yeah. Nobody likes talking about this stuff. I don't either. My mom and daddy, they don't mind talking about death. They talk about death all the time. They got plans for their passing. They already got taken care of. They got their funeral plan. Got everything done. Mama called me over the house the other day, a couple weeks ago. She said, we got to talk. I thought she got a bad report from the doctor. I thought something was wrong. Y'all know what she wanted? She told me, she said, when me and your daddy die. And right then I'm thinking like, is it like coming like today, tomorrow? Are we talking soon? Are we talking just, just when, if it happens? She said, this is my mom and daddy are old country folk, y'all. She said, when me and your daddy die, we have some cash hidden around our house. She told me where it was at. She said, don't you let anybody come through here. I said, I got you, mama. I got you. Mom and daddy talk, they make plans for them dying all the time. They don't care. They'll talk about it. Daddy don't care. I'm going to die one day. And as much as we don't want to talk about it, it's true. Amen. Amen. Charles used to say the newest statistics say that one out of every one person dies. One out of every one. Everybody look around. Take a look to your right and left. Take a look in front of you and behind you. Every eye that you look into today will one day close their eyes for the last time. Jesus says there's 12 hours in a day your 12 hours may look different than my 12 hours some people's 12 hours last 15 years some people's 12 hours last 45 years some people's 12 hours last 95 years your 12 hours are different than mine but the fact is all of our 12 hours run out sooner or later What's the point of Jesus teaching this? Two things. One, his timing is perfect in your life. Meaning that you have 12 hours in your life. You have more than enough time to do everything that God wants you to do in your lifetime. You have the amount of time in your life for a purpose and for a reason. Remember, his timing is perfect and it always has a purpose. Your life is here for a reason. You have enough time in your lifetime to love who God wants you to love, to share what God wants you to share, to forgive who God wants you to forgive. You have more than enough time to do everything that God wants you to do. There's 12 hours in a lifetime. 
The urgency is there's only 12 hours in a lifetime. We don't get 13. The urgency of today is that we don't know when those 12 hours run out. Amen. And we've got to make sure, y'all, we are loving like crazy today. We've got to make sure that we're forgiving like crazy today. We've got to make sure that we're sharing like crazy today. We've got to make sure that we're giving hugs and high fives and kisses and taking pictures and doing everything that we don't like doing sometimes. We've got to make sure that we're doing that today. Why? Because there's only 12 hours in a day. And one day your 12 hours will run out. Jesus says here, my timing is perfect. When it's time for it to run out, it will run out in my timing. And you and I today find ourselves in the same situation. The question is, do we trust the Lord's timing? While we may be in pain today, we may be in a fight and a struggle and a valley today, we can find hope and trust in the fact that his timing is perfect and you have the time today to do everything that he wants you to do today. Amen. The second thing we see here in this story, the first one is God's timing. The second one is that Jesus brings life. Jesus brings life. I hope you know today that your physical life is here because of God the Father. He's the creator of life. He's the sustainer of life. He's the provider in life. Everything that you have today is a blessing from the Lord. Every person in your life today is a blessing from the Lord. Even if you, they don't act like it sometime, even if you don't think they are, they're a blessing from the Lord. Right? All right, just checking. Just checking. I know people can be jerks. I know people can be dumb. I know people can hurt and lie and cheat. And break promises. But trust me when I tell you that when that 12 hours is starting to run out, they're important. They're important. We see that Jesus is the provider of life, of physical life. We know that Jesus is the provider of spiritual life. Salvation only comes through Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, to pay the price for our sin that should have been ours to pay. The death should have been ours. The nails should have been ours. The crown of thorns should have been ours. The cross should have been ours. The blood should have been ours. But Jesus did it for you because he is the one who brings spiritual life. And we'll find out in two weeks that he is the one that brings eternal life. All life comes through Jesus. Jesus says in verse 25, he tells Mary, I am, or he tells Martha, excuse me, I am the resurrection and the life. What is Jesus talking about there? He's talking about eternal life. Let me share with you real quickly about a little bit about eternal life. Then we'll be done. We did a funeral yesterday for our dear friend Robert Stover. Some of you knew Robert. Some of you that have just started coming recently did not know Robert because Robert had not been here since. His last Sunday here was Christmas Sunday. And before that, he was missing out for a, a month or two because he was, just couldn't physically get here. Robert always sat back there where Spencer and Madeline's at. Y'all are in Robert's seat. When Nancy comes back, you're going to have to move. Okay, I'm just saying. Um, 
So Robert and Nancy uh, were part of our church family, and Haley, you can't leave Haley out, she was part of our church family, and we loved Robert, Nancy, and Haley, and we still love Robert and Nancy and Haley. Robert spent the last, gosh, four or five months in and out of the hospital, in and out of rehab facility. Um, he hadn't, he spent the last month in a, in a hospital bed in his living room, not able to move, not able to walk. Um, the past couple of weeks, not able to talk. He was just kind of there. Uh, I would go by and see Robert once a week. I would go to the hospital. I went over here to Claps Nursing Home. I went by Robert's house about once a week, once every two weeks to see Robert, check in, check on Nancy, see how they're doing. The last time I saw Robert was two Mondays ago, a week before he passed. And I walked into his house and he kind of looked up and kind of gave me a smile and a little thumbs up. And I said, Robert, how you doing? And he just kind of nodded, didn't say much. He nodded. So Nancy and I sat and we chatted for a little bit. And Robert didn't say much while I was there. But when it was time for me to go, I, like I did every time I went and saw Robert, I said, Robert, let me pray with you. And every single time I said this, he would hold up his hand. So I would walk around beside the hospital bed and I was standing on his right side, holding his right hand. Nancy was on his left side, holding his left hand, and I prayed for Robert one last time two weeks ago at his house here in Ashburn before he passed. Let me tell you Robert's last words to me. After we got done praying, Robert looked up and he said, I got some decisions to make pretty soon. I said, what decisions you got to make, Robert? He said, in the complete characteristic of Robert Stover, he said, I got to decide when I'm going to bite the bullet. That's the last words Robert ever spoke to me, was the words, bite the bullet. I love it so much. So I said, Robert, that's not up to you, buddy. That's up to the Lord. When he's ready for you, you can't stop him. There's nothing you can do to stop Jesus calling you home. Amen. Why? Because his timing is always perfect. Jesus says there's 12 hours in a day. The day runs out sooner or later on all of us. And for my man Robert, it ran out last Monday about 3.20 in the afternoon. Jesus come to Robert's house, got him, took him back to heaven. I'm thankful today that when Jesus was ready for Robert, Robert was ready for Jesus. Amen. Not only was Jesus ready to take Robert home, but Robert was ready for Jesus to take him home. And that, my friends, is where eternal life is found. We have a hope today. The Bible calls it a blessed hope. The blessed hope is this, is that what we see here and now is not eternity. There is something better, there is something more, there is something eternal on the other side of what we see here today. And that place is what the Bible calls heaven. I uh, read this story years ago, I've shared it a couple times, I don't think I've ever shared it here, but I've shared it a couple times in different settings. Um, it's about a guy named D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a great pastor, a great preacher in the 1800s. And somebody asked D.L. Moody one day, said, Mr. Moody, what happens when we die? And I'm going to read to you his response because it is absolutely amazing and I love it so much. D.L. Moody said this. 
He says, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield, England is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I may not be here on earth, but I am more alive then than I am sitting here right now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old body of clay and into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch and sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like Jesus' glorious body. I was born of the flesh in 1837, born of the Spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh will die. That which is born of the Spirit will live forever. One day, people are going to read in the papers that your 12 hours is up. My prayer for you and me this morning is that just because our life is over here, Jesus' timing is up for us here. We have a faith in the Lord, which means life everlasting. While we may think life begins and ends here on this planet, no, 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 no. Life continues on in heaven forever. Amen. One day you're going to read that Michael Jernigan of Denton, North Carolina is dead. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. My body may be there, but I'm in heaven with Robert and with you and with loved ones that have passed on. And we will be alive then more than we are today. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Some of you may be thinking, what about Lazarus? What happened to Lazarus? Come back in two weeks. <laughs> we'll get there in two weeks. We'll find out what the end of that story in two weeks. Let's pray together. Lord, again, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this uh, encounter that Jesus had with, with Martha here and Mary in John chapter 11. God, we thank you for you. We thank you that you're the creator of life. We thank you that you're the sustainer of life. And God, we thank you that you are the way to everlasting life. God, I pray today for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters, my family and friends that are here. God, I pray today that we will know you as the forgiver of life. We will know you as the way, the truth, and the life. And we will know you as the resurrection and the life. The word says there in verse 26, we didn't read it, but verse 25 is when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 26, he asked Martha, do you believe it? And the same question is posed to you and I today, my friends, is do you believe it? God, I pray today that you would help us to believe your word. I pray today that we, you will help us to believe your truth and to believe in your life. And God, because of who you are and what you have done for us today, we can stand here in confidence, in full confidence of eternal life in heaven with you forever. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.